This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Well, good morning. We met our pastor. I miss him more than you do. Quite frankly, I was talking with Wanda coming along the way we were driving. I said, you know, I'm not sure these people really understand and appreciate fully what they have in Pastor Joe. You know, you can become so uh, acclimatized to something that uh, it loses its specialness. We are absolutely flabbergasted. Every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, we go from here with something fresh, something so practical that I can put in place on Monday or even Sunday afternoon. And so, praise God. Praise God for a wonderful, caring pastor. And today's ministering in, where is it? Tanzania? And uh, I know, appreciated over there. Well, you know, probably the safest thing for a fill-in to do is to bring something kind of generic. Not take any risks. I've never played it safe. I want to address an issue today that I think is probably the most prevalent unconfessed sin in the church. You say, what in the world would that be? I also believe it is one of the greatest deterrents, impediments uh, to the growth of an individual and also the growth of the kingdom of God. I want to talk to you about unforgiveness. Or, to say it in the positive way, forgiveness. And I have uh, searched for a title for this message. I uh, vetted it with my wife. Uh, I said, what do you think about this? She says, that sounds horrible. But I don't always follow her advice either. <laughs> Most of the time I do. So I, I, I did come up with a title, and, and it's this. Chewing a plug and saving up spit. <laughs> that about makes me gag to think about it. And I got a weak stomach. Really, I do. You say, what in the world? Where in the world? Well, that particular phrase has a basis in a story that's a few years old. I read it, about it in the newspaper. And I filed it away. And I said, you know, there's a point there. That particular story begins years ago in the Vietnam, during the Vietnam War. What a tragic era 
in the history of America. A political war, 55,000 of our young men probably died unnecessarily because, uh, well, we'll not get into the politics of that. But at any rate, perhaps some of you remember that during that war, there was a figure by the name of Jane Fonda. I remember that. I'm dating myself. And uh, she was uh, sometimes called Hanoi Jane. She was a virulent anti-war activist, and I guess maybe maybe still is. She's still alive, I think. And uh, she sometimes and often actually cited or sided with the Viet Cong rather than our own troops. And, uh, well, I could just get on my soapbox and talk about these kind of people who who live in a life of privilege or academia. They've probably never worked a day in their lives. So out, so out of touch with ordinary people, about all they have to do is protest this or that or the other. And she was one of those kind. But uh, let's get back to the story. The Vietnam War was winding down, and our troops were coming home. But instead of coming home to a hero's welcome, some of you will remember our soldier boys, and that was the day prior to women being involved, for the most part. They came home dispirited, having suffered, many of them, life-changing injuries, having seen their bodies slaughtered. With And I don't know that there has been ever a war or a conflict that's left more devastation psychologically in its wake, primarily because, I think, of the attitude of the populace, the attitude of America upon their return. Instead of coming home to a hero's welcome, having fought for their country, not by their choice. We were drafted back in those days. But they fought valiantly. And yet when they came home, they were reviled as though this had been their fault. And all kinds of spurious stories uh, were propagated, the atrocities, many of them proven untrue. But on one occasion, there was a plane that landed in America, and some soldiers were disembarking, many of them hardly able to walk down the gangplank or the staircase. On one such occasion... A soldier was coming down, stepping very gingerly down the steps. Jane Fonda was there protesting. And as this soldier came down the staircase of that airplane, she rushed forward and spat on him. It made a bit of news. Nothing was ever done about it. And time walked on. In fact, decades and decades until the Vietnam War was just a distant memory. Many younger people hardly even knew what it was about. 
it kind of faded from 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 the newspapers and it faded from uh, history but it never left this man who had experienced such an indignity as he walked down that gangplank and someone rushed up and spat on him but uh, as time went on Jane Fonda and this is where it kind of comes home because what I'm about to tell you transpired right up here in Kansas City. She had written a book of her memoirs. And, of course, she being the darling of the liberal media, uh, she didn't lack for publicity. And, and so the crowds came for a book signing in Kansas City. And in fact, there was a long, long, long line that lined up to get their own personally autographed book of Jane Fonda's memoirs. Slipping into that long line was a craggy-looking individual with a bandana around his head, a long beard, tattoos all over his arms. And had you been watching, nobody seemed to notice, he slipped a hand into his pocket and pulled out a big twist of tobacco, chewing tobacco. And he took a big chaw. Now here is where the miracle begins. He stood in line for some 90 minutes. And had you been watching, you would have discerned that he didn't seem to swallow and he didn't seem to spit any of it out. He just continued, <laughs> this is getting to me. <laughs> he just began to chew and chew and chew. You're getting ahead of me. And when he got in front of Jane Fonda, he let go with the awfulest. It nearly covered her from head to toe. Tobacco and spit. Goodness. <laughs> Are you doing all right? <laughs> he, was, he was arrested and he paid a fine, but he was grinning from ear to ear. You see, it was the same soldier. After all of those years, had finally gotten his revenge. She was the one who spat on him all those many years ago. And now he had given her a gusher. I, I, when I read that story, I thought he ought to be made a war hero. <laughs> but then I got to thinking about it in light of Scripture. And I realized I was witnessing a very sad and tragic story. Because as I read behind the lines, if you will, I learned that this man had become a very dysfunctional, angry person. 
He'd gone through about three marriages. He wasn't able to hold a job. He just went through life angry at everybody. And that's sad. He was the real victim. And though on this particular day, he took a chew and saved up spit to inflict retribution on Jane Fonda, he had really been saving up spit all of his life. And it had been devastating to him. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? There are a lot of people, even in the church, who've taken a chew over some perceived grievance that took place a long time ago. And they've been saving up spit all of these years. And it's been like a cancer eating away at them, destroying their lives taking away their happiness. I hope you're not one of those individuals. It may be a perceived grievance of your parents, your father. It may have been real. I can hear somebody say, but you don't know what I went through. I don't. But I want to look at what Jesus had to say about it. In Matthew chapter 18, And uh, if we can get that projected up on the screen, I'd be glad. Beginning at verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who... These are the words of Jesus, by the way. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents... That's a lot of money was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. But the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master, thank God, took pity on him. Cancel the debt and let him go. And that's important, that phrase, let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, about ten bucks. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. 
shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then these telling words of Jesus. Jesus says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother. Not just on the surface but from your heart. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. There's not much wiggle room there. This is what God expects of us. Forgiveness. Let me just share with you briefly, and it will be brief, I think, just a few reasons why it is imperative that you forgive. Number one, because we've been forgiven. Isn't that glorious? I've been forgiven. I've been, I've been let go. I've been loosed. I've been freed. <laughs> All the stuff that I never told my parents all the stuff I did, I'd be ashamed if they were projected on a screen. You don't know about it. And I'm glad you don't. It's forgiven. It's under the blood. <laughs> he didn't even remember it. That seems impossible to me. That it could be buried in the sea of his forgetfulness to be remembered against me. No more! We... Back in the day when I was here, we had a quartet. And I remember one of the songs we sang is, What sins are you talking about? It was a song that kind of lamented the past, you know. And the devil was dredging it up. And, and uh, we were thinking about it. And, and uh, saying, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I did that. And God comes back and says, What? What sins are you talking about? He had cast it into the sea of his forgiveness. I have been forgiven. I have been forgiven. I have been forgiven. Oh, the wonder of it all. May I never lose the wonder. May I never cease to be amazed. Blessed is he, David said, King David, who committed such atrocious sins. Blessed is he whose sins are covered. 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 4, 7 and 8, from Psalm 32, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Friends, we need to forgive because we've been forgiven so much. But Pastor, if you only knew the circumstance, it doesn't compare probably 
to what I did against my Jesus. When I drove the nails through His hands by my sins, and I thrust the sword into His side by my rejection, what I did to you or someone else did to you pales by comparison. I have been forgiven. I have been forgiven. And you need to forgive because you've been forgiven. In fact, a second reason I would mention is forgiving others proceeds proceeds forgiveness from God. That's the point that Jesus is making here. Matthew 6 and 12, forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Luke 6, 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgiven, forgive rather, and you will be forgiven. In fact, when Jesus gave the model prayer, he stopped at the end of it. And he said, if you do not forgive your brother his trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive you. Your trespasses. I, I, I need forgiveness. I need mercy. I need all the mercy I can get. I mean that honestly. I'm not just speaking rhetorically, friends. I hold this treasure in an earthen vessel in jars of clay. I need forgiveness. But in order for God to forgive me, I must forgive. I must forgive. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother his trespasses. Not only forgive, but from your heart forgive. I need to forgive because forgiving others is a requisite for God forgiving me. And furthermore, it's a requisite or a prerequisite, if you prefer, for worship. Matthew 5 and 23 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then, then come and offer your gift. You know, sometimes we think God has either blinders on or he has a short memory. And we come into church and we raise our hands and we worship. But there's this stuff. This unforgiveness. He says, listen, if you even know that your brother has ought against you, it isn't something you've done. You know he has some grievance. Just leave your gift right there. Go be reconciled to your brother and then come and worship me. Your worship is probably not acceptable. So long as that issue remains boiling. It's gotten quiet in here. I need to forgive, and I'm just trying to abbreviate here, because I need to forgive simply because Christ commands it. Matthew 18 and 21. There's a telling thing here. Peter comes to the Lord on one occasion. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times? I just see Peter just, just beaming like a, a little kid, you know, just 
How many times, Lord? I'm willing to, I'm willing to forgive seven times. Ain't I good? And Jesus said, oh, Peter, 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 not, not, not seven times. Seventy times seven. Just almost on into infinity. That's a pretty big order. How many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times, or seven times seven. And then in Luke 17, verse 3, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, you forgive him. Say, that's letting him off the hook. (laughs) That's what Jesus did for us. He let us off the hook. Who took the hit when Jesus was nailed to the cross? Come on. Who took the hurt? Not you. Jesus took the hit. Say, well, I'm... He hurt me. They... They they wronged me. If I forgive them, I'm just going to roll over and play dead and take the hit. It's precisely what Jesus did. Friends, I've heard so many people say, I forgive them, but... And what that suggests is that we're still insisting on our little pound of flesh. We're insisting on some repayment of some kind. Notice, Jesus gave this parable. Is this... What am I doing? When Jesus gave the parable, the Scripture says He loosed him. He forgave him. Probably millions of bucks in this that He owed. And He loosed him. Loosed him. He let him go free. Without a debt in the world. He canceled the debt. That's what He did for us. Amen. Uh, I've got to just kind of probably bring this to a close at some point, but I just do want to tell you this, that we need to forgive because unforgiveness is absolute poison to the soul. I've used the phrase, and I heard it repeated out at Herman Chapel Camp by Paul Gray, the evangelist. Bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other fellow to die. And that's what it is. It's like trying to keep acid in a metal container. It's going, to, it's going to work its way through and it's going to spill all over and it's going to affect a lot of other people too. Lest a root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. I've seen whole families wiped out, you might say, so far as their effectiveness by this thing of bitterness. 
We need to forgive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relate a story in closing here today that's not very flattering to me. But I think it might help me and may help you. Have you ever had one of those life experiences that you know exactly where you were? I know exactly where I was. Relaxed in my recliner, feet thrown up, watching the news. But I became kind of aware that my wife had taken a phone call. And I heard a couple of exclamations. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. You better talk to Daddy. And I took the phone call. And I discovered that my baby daughter... Now, baby daughters, for you who have baby daughters, boy, there's something special about baby daughters. Now... Uh, my, my little Laura girl, she was born after we left here. And sometimes baby daughters are spoiled, and they're not, but quite the contrary with this precious daughter. She was the epitome of sweetness and kindness and obedience. But she is convulsed in tears. She's sobbing, so much so that I, I can hardly understand her. And I said, Laura, what, what is going on? What has happened? I thought there had been a death. She had three boys, the least of which was at this time, I think about six months. And she said, Daddy, he's done it. It's been going on a long time. And I can bring myself to tell you what is going on. Matthew. Matthew has been having a series of affairs with other women. Oh my goodness, Laura. No. Tell me it's not true. She said, Daddy, it started probably within the very first year of our marriage. I found love notes tucked here and there, love candles and paraphernalia in the trunk of the car. I didn't want her to marry Matthew, I'll be honest with you. He was a young man who kind of came to the church and and uh, I never felt like he really, really, really paid the price or really was serious about God. He He was coming to get the girl. And he made a lot of promises, and and I talked to Laura about it, and I said, Laura, he comes from a background, a pagan background. All the stuff that you just have inculcated, and it's just second nature with you, it's all foreign to him. A totally different worldview. Daddy, you're you're being prejudiced. She would say, Daddy, you're 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 being judgmental. He he really he's interested in God, and he's interested in the church. She was. One of these precious little souls took in every stray cat, every stray dog. I don't know how many of them I had to take to the pound. She was wanting to save them all and fix them all. And he came along and this was one more little stray dog that she was going to fix. You understand what I'm saying? 
I don't know why he thought he could get by. She took care of the bills. And here would be motel bills and flowers and charges for this and that. And she saw him. And he, she would confront him and, no, 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 it's not going on. But now it was right out in the open. He had left her. Three precious little boys. The least one, as I said, about six months of age. Oh, I just, I was beyond grieved. It was just like, I've been kicked a few times by a horse, but it was like getting kicked right in the stomach. I became physically ill. Oh, this can't be happening. (laughs) And I said, Laura, surely, surely there's some way we can reconcile. Surely we can we can get involved in some counseling and get this straightened out i'm committed to marriage and and this just cannot fail she said i don't know daddy i don't know whether it can he's left me he's living with a girl and this isn't immaterial in one sense but she was of a total different race and it just seemed like the ultimate rejection my heart was compassionate Angry with him, but still compassionate. And so I knew his cell phone number and I got my phone out and I called him. I didn't even know whether he'd pick up or not, but he did. And I said, Matthew, I've just got the word. And I'm heartbroken, son. We've taken you in as a son. You're you're our boy. And this just can't happen. This just can't be allowed to happen. And he just got quiet. And I said, listen, the only way for this to be resolved is for you to really get to God. That's the only solution, son. Well, that's probably true, but I'm not ready for that. I said, son, you've got to be ready for that. This is the only way. No, it would be a coward's way for me to now come to God. And he said, I'm I'm not interested in that. I said, son, please, I'll be praying for you. This cannot, this cannot culminate in the breakup of your marriage. And so it rocked on a couple of weeks. I was praying fervently and talking with Laura, counseling with her. And I thought things were getting better. Until one day again, the phone rang. And it was Laura. She was weeping. I said, honey, what happened? I said, daddy, he sent, me, he sent me flowers on my birthday. But I said, honey, that's a good thing. Yeah, but daddy, I learned that he'd sent a spray to his mistress that made mine pale by comparison. The same day he sent them to me, he sent a big spray to her. And he said, she said, I was so angry, I just threw them in the trash. Something clicked on the inside of me. Now, I want you to bear with me here, friends. I'm a daddy, and I'm human. But I have never been so overcome with anger as I was that day. I picked up the phone once again and I dialed his number. I again didn't know whether he would answer. I said, Matthew, is it true what I heard about you? 
that you have had so little respect for my daughter and regard for her emotions that you sent a spray of flowers to her, but you also sent a big spray of flowers to this girl. He just went silent. He didn't deny it. Friend, I, I, I don't want to be misunderstood. I never used one curse word. I didn't. I don't, that's, I don't do that. But friend, just short of that. Just short of that. I have a fairly broad vocabulary. And I paid my respects to you low-life scumbag. You coward. And about every other adjective that I could come up with. I let him know how despicable, how absolutely unconscionable, calloused such behavior was. And then I hung up. I didn't know how to feel, but I didn't feel good. I didn't feel a bit good. But I had unloaded a piece of my mind. That night, I rolled and I talked. And I prayed. And the next morning early, my phone rang again. And it was Laura. And her voice was quiet and calm. And she said, Daddy, I hear that you called Matthew last night. I said, how did you know that? He told me. She said, Dad, I, I, I hear you got kind of rough with him. Well, yeah, I guess that's probably right. And then she said something that touched me to the core. She said, Daddy, first of all, I want you to know how much I appreciate your being willing to defend me. I do. I do appreciate you, Daddy. You've always been there for me. But she said, Daddy, I'm not going down that road. I said, Honey, what are you, what are you talking about? She said, Daddy, I've seen so many women who have been embittered, poisoned by the injustice that it affected them for the rest of their lives. And she said, Daddy, I don't love him anymore. And I don't want to be married to him with, with this going on. But I'm not going to hate him. She began to weep. She said, Daddy, I don't want you to hate him either. I'm not going down that road. I thought, my God, here's my precious daughter that I've preached to. Now she's preaching to me. And it was an anointed message. And I felt like an egg-sucking dog. 
I said, honey, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll try to fix it. God reminded me that while I didn't have to agree with this and it made me angry, I wasn't justified to use that kind of language. So after I'd mucked up my courage, I got my phone out again and I called him. Boy, I sure didn't know whether he would answer this time. Because I knew he had caller ID. But he answered. And I said, Matthew, this is Dad. I have an apology to make. I talked to you pretty rough last night. And while I feel the same way in terms of what you did was so, so wrong, I didn't have a right to talk to you that way, son. Oh, that, that's okay, Dad. I, I understand. Emotions are running high. And we talked on for a little while. And I again encouraged him to come to God. He said, I'm not ready for that. I said, Matthew, I don't know what's going to result from this. But if you ever decide to come to the Lord, would you please give me a call? I'd like to help you to get to God. And we hung up that way. I wish I could tell you that the marriage survived. It didn't. He went on and had two or three other liaisons and finally married someone else. Two or three years rocked by and one day my cell phone rang. And I answered it not knowing who was on the other end. And he didn't even know how to respond to me. He said, Dad, Dad. Uh, he always called me Dad, but it wasn't Dad. Richard, this is Matthew. Matthew? Good to hear from you, son. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. And I don't know where to begin. <laughs> I need to come to God. I need help. And I had the privilege of talking to him and pointing out what he needed to do. He hadn't moved along as fast as I would like for him to. But he's been a changed man. When we forgive, it's like hitting the reset button on relationships. And it's like hitting the reset button in our relationship with God. Is there somebody here today who a long time ago took a big chew of tobacco, as it were, And all these years you've been saving up spit. I'm talking about unforgiveness. And you've been the victim. And today you would like to have a reset. Today you'd like to unload that burden and that poison. Would you stand with me? My time is so spent. I'm sorry. But there may be someone here right now 
would say, Pastor Richard, I've carried this long enough. This thing has hurt me far more than it ever hurt them, whoever they are. And today I'd like to come and just give it to Jesus. Just give it to Jesus. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.